Uh, This morning's Bible reading is a couple of short parables from Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verses 31 to 33. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds, 27 kilograms of flour until it worked all through the dough. Good morning, church family. Uh, Why don't we come to the Lord in prayer as we begin. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for your word this morning, an opportunity to come and meet as your people. And Father, as we open up your word and consider these parables, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, make your presence known amongst us. Help us to see the wonder of your grace more clearly and uh, to be convicted of our sins and run to Jesus. Father, in a world that is often so dark at times with, with war or sickness or, or pain or struggles in different ways, it can be difficult for us, Lord, we confess, to see you at work, to know that you're at work and to be encouraged to persevere and press on in our faith. Father, I pray in the next few moments, Lord, that you'd help us to cast our eyes heavenward, to look up and see that, Jesus, you are on the throne as our King, and that we really can trust you with our whole life and know that you have great things planned for your people. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So for Leah and I, when we used to live in Melbourne, there were four certainties that we could count on. No matter what was happening in our day, these things were a bedrock for us. What were these things? summer, uh, autumn, winter, and spring. As we know, Melbourne lives up to that reputation of being four seasons in one day. And there were days in which we would uh, have to pack different items of clothing for the day. Uh, Knowing and being prepared for the future is something that we do tend to value. We want certainty about what's going to happen in our day, and our week, and the months and years ahead. Perhaps it's going to the financial planner and counting your super and considering your retirement. Or maybe it's planning a budget, considering your future job, study, or holiday plans. Whatever it is, having an idea as to what is next for you and where you're headed is a source of security, comfort, and assurance for us. Without a plan... You and I can easily feel lost and without purpose or a sense of direction. 
Actually, for many people across this country, that has been one of the deep frustrations and difficulties with COVID these past few years. For many, uh, just uh, the last month or so, the 5th of February is forever ingrained in your mind as that day that you were supposed to visit a loved one or have a loved one visit you uh, and have the borders open, only for your dreams to be crushed by yet another press conference by you-know-who. What seemed certain about the future turned out to be not so certain after all. But actually, when it comes to the Christian faith and God's kingdom, if we're honest, sometimes we can feel exactly the same way. When we hear and read about God's kingdom in Scripture, we look out into our world of trouble, of war, sickness, stress and anxiety, And it can be sometimes difficult for us to see God is at work and to believe that. We might even feel that we've let down by God, having hopeful expectation that he will act in a particular way or in a particular circumstance, but having things not play out that way at all for you. Is Jesus really involved in your life and those around you? You might be thinking that. Is Jesus really going to return one day? Is his kingdom so sure after all? Well, in Matthew 13 before us today, the whole chapter is uh, some of the teaching of Jesus, all about uh, the kingdom, all these parables that you see here about the kingdom of heaven. This morning, we're just exploring, as we read just before, just two of the short parables in this chapter. And each in turn we see teach us this same key truth, but in their own unique way. The key truth is this, that just like that mustard seed that grows into a tree, or the leaven that works its way throughout the whole loaf, the kingdom of God in all its fullness and glory is a future certainty for us. What Jesus began will be seen through to its end. God and his kingdom will be triumphant. We can be sure of that. And so as we explore these two parables and what they each teach teach us in proclaiming this amazing truth, I hope that we can come away from this morning trusting God more deeply and actually seeing his hand more clearly at work both within us and within the world at large. So let's consider the first parable this morning, the parable of the mustard seed. What is the unique thing that it teaches us about God's kingdom? Well, it's this, that the kingdom is small yet great. Perhaps one of uh, Jesus' most memorable parables and well-known ones This parable shows us that true greatness comes through smallness, through weakness, humility, lowliness. Uh, The plant that Jesus is referring to here is not the the large mustard tree that grows something like six meters high or so, but rather the mustard plant. You've got to have in mind, uh, think of a veggie garden or someone's field that they're growing their own food in. The mustard plant, although it is smaller, 
it can still grow quite large, three or four metres high. And that is the plant that gives us the mustard seed that we eat. Large enough still for birds to come and nest in it in comparison to other things that you might plant in your garden. And the significance is this, that although the seeds are so tiny, they can grow into something great, something spectacular. And such is the kingdom of God. This parable uh, relates directly to Jesus himself and his own role in bringing God's kingdom to earth. In many ways, it is fitting that Jesus here speaks of a small mustard seed. For the whole Old Testament scriptures speak of and look forward to a coming seed, an offspring, a child from the line of Abraham and David who would bring God's kingdom to earth. Something that we explored in some depth in our series through the life of David and the Davidic covenant and the great promises that God had given to him. Indeed, Matthew's gospel itself begins with the declaration that Jesus is this very person, beginning with the words, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In Christ's personhood and through the small, humiliating cross of Christ, the kingdom of God bursts onto the stage of human history. What first began as a bunch of fishermen the tax collectors and others, as Jesus' first core group of disciples, that all seemed to grind suddenly to to a halt when Jesus was risen up on that cross and crucified. But But upon rising from the dead three days later, and also the outpouring of the Holy Spirit afterwards at Pentecost, Christianity exploded throughout the first century Roman world, soon to completely change Roman culture forever, from the inside out, and spread far beyond its borders. Something that still continues to happen today, as the gospel message gets out and goes to all the nations. As we consider our world today, some 2,000 years on, we can perhaps think of other things that have similar small beginnings. I thought of the tech companies Microsoft and Apple. Both of them had quite small beginnings, uh, either just a couple people or a small team of people that once started those companies. Steve Jobs even once began working in his parents' garage uh, in that company. And yet now, both of these companies dominate so much of our daily lives. Or perhaps you think of an individual who had humble beginnings, who they themselves became great. Uh, In country Victoria, where I'm from, uh, I remember once going to school with uh, one small larrikin boy who has now gone on to play AFL footy and make quite a name for himself. But what is unique about God's kingdom is that it never loses its small humble nature, no matter how big or small it may presently be. Rather than the things of this world that tends to shed its, their smallness as it moves on to greatness, the kingdom of God shows it, its glory and greatness in and through its humility and smallness. 
How so? Well, consider Christ's own example, the greatness of the cross, and what that means for us. Uh, A few years ago, uh, Kenneth Leveridge, uh, he's a CrossFit champion, and he uh, he was a little bit cheeky, so he had, headed off to um, to Muscle Beach in California. Uh, so that's uh, just a place where the the gym scene, gym junkie scene, kind of took off originally many decades ago. And uh, this CrossFit champion uh, decided to get some professional makeup artists and actually uh, pretend that he was an old man, and they did quite a convincing job of it. Uh, he, he was given a face that was uh, of quite a lot older person and, and all the hair and the clothing. And what he did was is, is he headed down to Muscle Beach and he challenged some of the young, fit, muscly people there to a gym routine and some weightlifting. And they're thinking, well, okay, this is going to be interesting. Not only am I going to beat this old man, he might break his back as he comes here. And uh, it was quite funny because through this prank, he absolutely smashed them and they're thinking, what is going on here? This old man beating us at our weightlifting and not breaking his back. What appeared on the outside to be weak and feeble was shown to be strong. And so it is when we look at the cross of Christ. Speaking of Christ in Philippians 2, verse 8 to 9, it says, And being found in human form... He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Christ's glory came through the weakness of the cross. And as the church, as God's people, so it is with us as we walk in his footsteps. As we consider the state of Christianity today in the West and its waning influence, I can think of at least two key things that this means for us today. Firstly, on the one hand, in situations where we still hold Christian influence and greatness, we must ensure that we never forget our smallness. If and when you are in positions of influence or leadership or even holding some status of some kind in the eyes of the culture. Uh, Sorry, I've lost my spot. Um, Yeah, even in these situations, Christ calls us as his people to humility and servitude. Uh, As we consider even history, and times when the church has held great influence, like it has historically, this can be a great spiritual danger for God's people. For in such a position, the church can easily become prideful, using its own influence for its own glory, rather than God's, and abusing its power. Being more concerned with maintaining its own status and position than having a genuine heart for the lost, and caring for the poor around us. In this way, this parable then this morning is a great wake-up call for us to test whether we are indeed a local church and a people who are spiritually healthy. Knowing our small status before God, that we're forgiven sinners 
who are helpless without God's mercy and grace. The second key takeaway for us this morning is this. On the other hand, whether now or in the future, in times that we might be made to feel small or humiliated because of our beliefs, in those times, remember Christ's greatness. As we continue perhaps to lose influence in our culture and lose center stage, there is a temptation for the church to play the power game and attempt to gain influence through worldly means perhaps to try and muscle our way back into public square or bend politicians or groups to our desires or simply just to react poorly to others. When a fellow employee hurls abuse at you because they're having a bad day or you're treated differently because of your beliefs, in those times we are called to act with humility, knowing that status or the approval of others is not what makes a person great. But that if you are Christ and he is yours, you are already considered great in God's eyes. Just like that bird nesting in that mustard tree, you are truly safe and secure in God's hands under his care. So that's the first parable this morning. Small yet great. Let's move on to the second parable Consider uh, the parable of the leaven or the, the yeast and see what that one there has to teach us about God's kingdom. And there we learn that the kingdom is unseen yet seen. One of the pastimes that many people, including myself, took up during uh, the lockdowns over the, across this country uh, was the art of making sourdough bread. If this was you, or you know someone who gave it a go, you will be well acquainted with this parable before us. A little piece of yeast or sourdough starter, with enough patience, can work its way through the whole dough, causing the dough to rise, breaking down the sugars, and giving it this pleasant sour taste once it's been baked. Jesus here uses the shock factor with the amount of flour mentioned being enough to feed something like a hundred people. I mean, that's a lot of flour. Just like the mustard seed then, the parable of the leaven shows us that the kingdom of God will grow large and be a source of life and sustenance for many people. The unique emphasis here appears to be this, in its, its apparent hiddenness as it goes about its work, with the leaven being hidden within the dough. Uh, At first, its effects are unseen and takes time before the impact of it becomes apparent. And so it is with the kingdom of God. Uh, In our world, there are many things that exert considerable force on us that we may not be able to see. Uh, If you think of current scientific theory, some would say that 95% of the universe is made up of something that they call dark energy and dark matter, unseen material and energy that is yet to be directly observed or proven and yet is believed to exert considerable impact on how our galaxies hold together and and how the universe works. Maybe you can even consider the Earth's magnetic field, something we also can't see with our eyes, and yet without it, it would not bode well for life on Earth. 
Well, in a similar way, when it comes to God and his kingdom, there are unseen aspects to it. For one, Scripture declares that God himself cannot be seen with our our eyes due to his sheer holiness and glory in the face of our sin. Exodus 33.20 says, But uh, he, God, said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. In a similar way, nor is his kingdom visible without saving faith. In John 3.3, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The only way that we or anyone can experience God and see him is through having saving faith. Having the eyes of faith that enable you to experience God and his goodness in your hearts and discern him working in the world around us. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Similarly, Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In this way, Christianity makes no qualms about the role of faith. Yes, reason and logic are important, and in no way against faith. But true faith in Christ achieves something that reason and logic cannot achieve by themselves. And that is having a heart bathed in the presence of God. Faith allows you to personally know your Saviour, Jesus Christ. To really know what His atoning work on the cross means for you. Knowing God's Spirit dwells in you and fills you with God's love and acceptance. It's knowing from Jesus the washing away and purifying of your sin. And so I ask you this morning, have you had this experience for yourself? Do you know in your heart of hearts, deep down, the love of Christ yourself? Do you know Him to be your only true, sure hope in this life? Christ calls all to turn to Him. And if you are a Christian here this morning, we are also called to exercise this faith in our daily life, to keep exercising and pressing on in our faith. Uh, Maybe you have family members or close friends or work colleagues who remain stubborn in their unbelief and their rejection of Jesus. Uh, Here in Australia, it's true that in many ways we uh, face a culture that is spiritually hard soil. This can be discouraging. But let's not lose faith that God is at work and may still work in the hearts of those we are praying for. All this doesn't mean that God's kingdom is completely unseen in in the world. For God does work in and through his people, the church, who are called to be his witnesses of the kingdom to the world. And indeed, you and I should derive some encouragement when we do hear of gospel fruit coming to bear in this world. Uh, I remember one of our CRCA CRCA churches over in Melbourne, uh, when they first came out of one of the lockdowns and resumed in-person services, they found 50 or so new converts just rock up to their church and join their community after the lockdown. 
could also think of the CRCA uh, gospel missionary work in India, who only last month reported 75 new Christians come to the Lord. In 2021, the same ministry reported over 1,200 new Christians, 22 new worship groups, and 54 new prayer groups during that year, despite what was going on in the world. We can also add Willows and uh, the Perth churches here, the, some of the church plants that have happened in recent years, and how God's kingdom has been growing step by step amongst this population here in Perth. God is at work, even if we don't always see it or see it play out the way we want it to. And so pray, pray for your unsaved friend, pray for that family member or neighbor, pray for each other, pray for yourself, pray for revival, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and God will hear and answer however he wills. But even if God doesn't change things in a hurry, remember that our future is promised to be glorious. How can you and I be so sure of this? Well, because the seed has already been planted. The leaven already mixed in the dough. What Jesus began 2,000 years ago is now set in stone. Or perhaps more accurately set in Christ's body that was broken and his blood that was shed. In his death and resurrection, Jesus quite literally secured and started the beginning of the end. What has now been set in motion cannot be stopped. Fellow Christian, dwell on that and your hope will become sure. As we look to the future with a certainty and hope that is secured in Jesus until he returns Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do pray that thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Father, we know that as we've explored today and opened up your word, that it can be hard at times to see you at work in our lives, in the world, in those around us. But Father, you have promised that what has begun will be seen through to the end. Father, you're, when you sent Jesus on the cross to die and rise again, Lord, you started something there that is continuing to flourish and will flourish until your kingdom fully comes upon your re- return to this world. Father, I pray that you would help us hold on to that. And as we head out Uh, from this place today and head out into our week, Lord, that as we come up against challenges and struggles, that you'd help us hold firm to this reality that you are at work in our lives right now. And that we don't have the strength in ourselves to do this, but you work through us, through your Holy Spirit, as we witness the kingdom to others. Father, help us to persevere as we pray for those who, who don't know you, I pray, Lord, that you might work in their hearts. Even this day as we consider loved ones that don't know you, hear our cry for mercy for them, that you might change their hearts and see the wonderful grace that you've already bestowed on us, that they may see that too. 
And Father, we want to thank you so much again for your amazing grace that you didn't leave us in our sin, but you chose to make us great in Jesus. That you restored us for being in such a lowly position. And Father, we just want to end in, in praise and worship of you as our great King who sits on the throne. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.